0: May I say you're wearing a marvellously embroidered jumper. I've been in quite a good mood this week, mostly because of the television. Why? What have you what have you watched?
1: What have you what have you seen? Uh, what have you seen?
0: Ted Lasso is approaching its finale and it's been an amazing season. I'm good. deeply, deeply in love with Hannah Waddigum. Good. An episode came out today, but I haven't watched it yet. I've been saving, because it comes out on a Friday, I've been saving those for a little Friday evening treat. Okay. All of uh, the original Sabrina the Teenage Witch is now on Amazon Prime. So, so oh well. deep in the nostalgia there oh is it uh it's rewatchable is it it is surprisingly rewatchable okay um
1: not, tr- not like trying to revisit a game on ps1 or something a
0: <laughs> little bit of the feeling of revisiting a game on ps1 there's some very very bad green screen moments so far only one like oh god that's racist moment which oh. for a 90s show is pretty yeah. good <laughs> the bar is low
1: yeah no fair enough I forget how long ago <clears throat> that came out, really, yeah. I mean, 90s doesn't feel that long ago.
0: We were kids. Yeah, but we are terribly, terribly old now, if you recall. Uh, no, no, I do not recall this, Francine. No. I'm not 30 yet.
1: Uh, yeah, but you will be really soon, so I wouldn't like go all in on the criticism.
0: It's uh, <laughs> October. I'm not 30 till next June. I have over six months of my 20s left. sure. Well, that's what I said. And then, then, then the time passed inexplicably. Uh, I'm clinging desperately to them while doing nothing different to what I've done, really.
1: <sighs> How's your week been then? You said you had a good week.
0: Yeah, it's been good. I Like I said, nostalgia TV. I've managed to write poetry, which is a plus. I wasn't sure how well Inktober was going to go this year.
1: Is it once you started, it came more easily kind of thing?
0: Yeah, I thought I'd really struggle because I've not really written poetry since Inktober last year, but it turns out it's still lurking in me somewhere. Oh, good. Yeah, I've enjoyed what I've read so far, I must
1: admit. Must admit, as if that was something I was not going to admit. Uh, I must say, uh, the thread I think I linked in last week's show notes, and I'll do. So again, this week, listeners, if you are of the poetic persuasion, then have a peep. Nice alliteration there. Thank you. I was trying for a fourth, but it did not spring to mind. (laughs) My week's been all right too. Work is good. I had a good yearly performance review. I always convince myself it's going to be horrible, um, especially because we've been obviously a lot of remote working for pandemic reasons. Um, And so I never see my boss. So I just assume he's like building up this huge list of grievances,
0: which did not occur.
1: Uh, (laughs) It's great (laughs) how much imposter (laughs) syndrome.
0: I really loved my performance reviews in my last job because I was supposed to have one after, I think, two months when I started. Yeah. Because uh, the two months I was technically probationary. And then it suddenly hit three months and I realized I hadn't had one yet. So I turned to my boss and I said, am I meant to have a performance review? He went, oh, yeah. Um, Good job. <laughs> I just oh, baked two two dozen cupcakes. Oh, what flavor? Uh, 12 chocolate and 12 caramel Biscoff noise i figured if i have to make cupcakes and chocolate was the one of the flavors specified and then she said do what you like that i would use it as an excuse to experiment we're going to a party tomorrow yes a party a house party it has been a very long time since i've been to a house party yes it was quite some time pre-pandemic since i went
1: to a house party I never it had literally a- next door to me so i really don't have an excuse and i don't want to like it i'm sure it'll be fun but um
0: uh, i haven't even had a housewarming party for here and i've lived here over a year well yeah it
1: kind of got to that point didn't it obviously we did not have a house party housewarming party here because my husband doesn't like people much people certainly he said if i threw a housewarming he would leave not like leave me but like leave the house for evening
0: I've managed to have the odd dinner party. God, I sound fucking middle aged. That serves you right for taking the fist out of me for being 30 a minute ago. Yeah, all right. This is hubris. This is definitely hubris. hubris. I kind of do fancy having some people over though. Yeah, well, let's shit weather now. I know we should start doing some socialising while yeah. well, we're allowed mm-hmm. before we go into next year's lockdown.
1: Oh, uh, God, please, no. Oh,
0: <gasps> Ooh, I've seen Andrew O'Neill and live since we last recorded. Oh, that yeah. Was fucking amazing. Tell me about it. I haven't. It was just a treat. A treat. Partly it was just a treat to go to a gig in a small room. Mm-hmm. I've been to only since the pandemic started, I've only been to one live thing and that was the drag show I was talking about a few weeks yeah. ago, which was great, but that was a big space. It was a theater. Mm-hmm. There was lots of people. And this was a small room full of people. and an intimate venue. It was an intimate venue. It was the Blue Moon in Cambridge, which is nice. I've nice. not been yeah. there before. That's a nice venue. Um. And also there's just, you know, if you're at an Andrew O'Neill gig, like, you know, the audience is going to be of a similar vibe to you. Everyone's a bit of a weirdo and (laughs) you're not going to be dressed funny or standing out. It was a bit like with going to the drag show. It was nice to know I was in a room almost entirely full of queer people and my sister got to be the Mm -hmm. token straight. It was a bit like that with this. It's just nice to know you're in a space full of people that's very like-minded that you know is safe and accepting. Yeah, that does sound good. And Andrew's fucking hilarious. And yes, next week we're going to see Grace Petrie, who we like very much. Who love and who listeners go listen to Grace's new album, Connectivity. It is oh. out now. It is out now. Available from all your usual vendors.
1: <laughs> I actually downloaded the music and everything, which is very unusual for me.
0: I did so. I only downloaded the music so that it would count towards the album sales. <laughs> And um, now I'm streaming it through Apple Music on my phone, despite owning it, because transferring it from my computer to my phone is effort. Yeah, there's so much effort.
1: Yeah, I've got, a few, I opened up Bandcamp for the first time in ages to do that. And uh, there's a few albums I forgot I had that I quite like listening to. Uh, oh, Sexy cool. Death and Cowgirls. Oh, I forgot there yeah, was I've that I've got on that Bandcamp. on Bandcamp. Yeah, yeah. I don't have uh, that one. Next time we drive somewhere, I think I'll
0: put that on. For context listeners, Sexy Death and Cowgirls is the debut album of a local band we're friends with called the Ivan Wilson concept. Turn the cow go round, that's not the side I want to see. They used to play regularly at a pub I worked at, and uh, after I made a joke about that song, they used to regularly introduce it as, this is a song about the barmaid's favourite sexual position. Yeah. I very rarely paid for drinks when they were playing. I am unsurprised. God, I loved that. There were some good times back in the bad old days. That was a very weird. It was a great pub with a live music scene, but there was a weird thing where all the bands overlapped. I remember one music night they had on where they suddenly realised that three of the four acts had the same drummer and bassist.
1: <laughs> to the point where well, they at the same up, time, yeah, it was
0: just the same dude. Yeah, <laughs> it was just to the point where they both hopped on for the last act and did a couple of songs just to say they'd done the whole show. Absolutely our small town music scene love it love a small town music scene
1: all right my love uh I think I think we should probably crack on as we've started rather late on account of my smart meter did not get installed and then I started using the wrong computer to record and then yeah we should et um, do you want to make a podcast <laughs> yes I would like to make a podcast actually I've been wanting to make a podcast all bloody afternoon <laughs> let's make a podcast <laughs>
0: Hello and welcome to the True Shall Make Ye Frat, a podcast in which we are reading and recapping every book from Terry Pratchett's Discworld series, one at a time in chronological order. I'm Joanna Haken, and I'm Francine Carroll, and this is part two of our discussion of Feet of Clay. Yep, the feet are still made of clay. <laughs> <Sorry>. They continue. <laughs> Do to I be usually made have something clay. to say to that? I can't remember. Sorry. <laughs> Sometimes there's. A I, it's only episode sixty-four.
1: I'll get the hang of it. <laughs>
0: eventually around the time we hit the shepherd's crown speaking of spoiler warning we are a spoiler light podcast obviously heavy spoilers for the book feet of clay but we will avoid spoiling major future events in the discord series and we're saving any and all discussion of the final Discworld novel the shepherd's crown until we get there so you dear listener can come on the journey with us
1: printing across slick cobblestones
0: and eventually slipping on a pile of autumn leaves happens to the best of us Every, It really does really it does uh I don't have much to follow up on, do
1: you? uh I got a couple bits um Stacy on Twitter has clarified Spock's relation to sherlock Holmes uh ancestral by linking a cool article which I will put in the show notes um and then literally all of our feedback for the last episode was corrections um so I feel like maybe we'd better dial up the effort on research again
0: yeah i should probably actually look stuff up yeah uh so first of all
1: pronunciation uh it's golem and i did know that not golem uh the king whose name i said very wrong i don't even know how i said it is Nebuchadnezzar.
0: so uh, thank i've you got something on him later in the
1: episode you that's nice um it's not Persuivant. it's percevant 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 Fuck, I only looked that up myself a second ago. <laughs> I, think
0: I, Persuiv- I think I got Persuivant from uh, the witch smeller Persuivant in the first season of Blackadder. So you can blame okay. Rowan Atkinson for me mispronouncing that one. I will. Fucking Rowan Atkinson.
1: Um, cool. And then the glorious revolution that we both kind of stuttered over was ousting Catholic James II in favour of his daughter Mary and her husband William of Orange
0: which I think I stuttered towards, but didn't quite get there. So thank you, listeners, for uh, handy corrections and what have you. And that sounds really sarcastic, but it's not. It is helpful stuff. Oh, and Andy and Brum, uh, I will retweet his tweets, but gave us some handy context for what Cromwell was up to, especially when it comes to the Irish. And with that, Francine, would you like to tell us what happened previously on Feet of Clay? Sure. Previously on Feet of Clay.
1: Hark, the herald, as he sings, Ankh-Morpork shall have a king. Someone murders two old men in fog-shrouded Ankh-Morpork, much to the vexation of vines, whose calendar is further clouded by veterinary falling victim to venom. Or, you know, poison. But that doesn't start with a V. Anyway, while a horse doctor treats the patrician, the watch need clues for their murder case. Forensic alchemist, cheery little bottom, and synesthetic... Superstar Anger von Überwald discover enigmatic evidence and lack thereof at the two murder sites. And Vimes finds religion on a scrap of paper. Meanwhile, Nobby makes his own discovery in the form of his apparent
0: ancestry. Uh, So this time, in part two of Feet of Clay, which... By the time this episode come, comes out, I will have tweeted, but it starts on page 132 with too late. Angua remembered why she avoided the Slaughterhouse District at this time of month and ends on page 256. Um, I'll do all the places along the shambles. You do Chiseling Street and we can push back off to the yard. Job done and dusted. Okay.
1: As the actor said to the fish?
0: No, no, no. I don't think that one works. <laughs> this time. I've just not got the same ear for it. <laughs> <laughs> In Feet of Clay Part 2. The game's afoot as detectives get down to business. Angua and Cheery head to the slaughterhouse district to meet Mr. Sock of the Butchers Guild and interview his hardworking golem, Dorful. Dorful claims no knowledge of the mystery murders, and as Angua reads the words in his head, she finds old writing that matches the paper left in Father Tubalkek's mouth. As the detectives leave, Dorful makes a request to Mr. Sock for a night off. As of sunset, it's a holy day. They, with a capital T meet to discuss the plan with a capital P, but what about the watch? Veterinari is in bed with Vimes guarding until our commander gets dismissed with little cordiality. Vimes borrows thin soled boots from a palace garden, and takes himself for a nostalgic walk through the fog filled city until a mysterious extra statue leads him on a hectic chase, and slick cobblestones send him arse over tit. As Carrot combs through clues and comes to a conclusion, Nobby and Fred inform him that Dorfal, the golem with a broken matchstick clutched in clay hand, has confessed, not just to the murders, but to everything. His confession doesn't match some key details and Carrot opens up his head to read his chem and realises the writing in Tubalkech's mouth was the golem's version of a kiss of life. An aura flickers as Vimes enters and Colon and Nob- Nobby head off duty to commiserate over Nobby's newly elevated status. Vimes and Carrot discuss the Gollum's decapitated matchstick as Angua follows Dorfal's trail. She finds a meeting place where twelve creatures that smelled of merchandise gathered and we see scattered matchsticks and the writing on the wall. Nob- Nobby and Colin head out for drinks, and with enough ale in him, Nobby finds pride in his lineage and buys a round or two for the bar. Meanwhile, Angua reports to Vimes tells him of the intense grief lingering at the place the golems met. They head for drinks at the bucket, and we briefly revisit the robbers from Act One. Back at the mended drum, Nobby, drunk as a lord, meets a newly unemployed Campbell- candle maker. Back at the watch house, Cheery finds arsenic in the grease from under Father Tubalcak's fingernails, and finds pieces of Dorfal in the mystery clay. She informs Vimes and Angua walks her home, offering her a few handy pieces of femininity. Constable Downspout keeps watch as a white golem lurches through the city. As the golem, Dibbok commits suicide, a roar shakes the city and doleful silently screams. Vimes dreams of clues and he's woken with a rush to the palace as Vetinari takes a turn for the worse. The poison's getting to him in the night and Vimes posits his journal as the cause. The palace staff are interrogated again. Vimes learns that the maid, Mildred Easy, of Cockbill Street is missing from work. Carrot and Angua track golems and find multiple suicides across the city. And Cherry tracks arsenic and finds none in Vettinari's rooms. In the rat's chamber, the guild heads meet and discuss the need for a new ruler. Kings come up again as Mr. Slamp puts forward Nobby as a puppet. Vimes looks in on Cockbill Street and finds himself in time for two funerals, Mildred's grandmother and younger brother carrot and angua interrupt a riot at gimlet's delicatessen while his chicken and beef aren't technically poisonous the rats he's been feeding people just might be cheery finds arsenic in the rats pre- procured from gimlet's and colon goes to speak to wee mad arthur local rat procurer who claims to have picked up the rats from beneath the cattle market and colon tries to avoid stupidity as nobby gets invited to a party good stuff what's I'm not apologising for length anymore. Just lots of stuff happens in the book. It does, yeah, it does. It's
1: sad. The the thing about watch novels is the details kind of matter. Yes.
0: Damn these murder mysteries. Shall we do our little helicopters, our little loincloths? Did we find any? I'm not going to lie. Normally I will try and stretch for something. I I just couldn't do it this week. That's fair. It's too foggy for helicopters. It is way too foggy for helicopters. We don't want to encourage kind of dangerous behaviour exactly and it's not the weather for loincloths
1: no and even if it is we wouldn't be able to tell who's wearing them and who's not in the fog
0: yeah thank you francine for helping me with the bit
1: <laughs> what are friends for but for enabling nonsense
0: <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> all right quotes. let's go straight on to quotes then oh actually no hold on something else mended drum we always keep an eye on whether it's mended or broken
0: yes the mended drum is currently mended yes. uh, anyway quotes quotes i'm first I think you got the pick of the litter with this one. I'm not going to lie. I suggested that neither we, instead of both of us having quotes, we just both had this one for the episode. (laughs) The tincture of night began to suffuse the soup of the afternoon. Now read the rest of it. Lord Vetinari considered the sentence and found it good. He liked tincture particularly. Tincture, tincture. It was a distinguished word and pleasantly countered by the flatness of soup. The soup of the afternoon, yes, in which may well be found the croutons of tea time. He was where? He was a little lightheaded. <laughs> it's us at 2am. <laughs> <laughs> that is absolutely a sentence that could have come oh, oh. from us at 2am trying to communicate in the group chat. Yeah, that's uh, oh,
1: what beautiful. What did we decide the morning was? Smoothies. Smoothies, yeah, so the, the soup of the afternoon could gently heat the smoothie of the morning which is revolting
0: in so many ways mm. <laughs> because i find soup slightly revolting
1: yeah i know you do and you told me it was a hot smoothie and i'll never really get over that uh.
0: <laughs> well it's only that kind of soup i don't like the hot smoothie kind you like chunky soup i don't mind chunky soup i like a broth i like a get noodle drunk. i like a noodle soup yeah We really haven't made that night. for a while
1: noodle soup
0: yeah, I do a really good pork belly, ramen-y type situation. Oh, yeah. Yum. Anyway, sorry, not Very relevant. Well.
1: <laughs> kind of relevant. Soup soup was at least mentioned in the quote. Um,
0: mine is also right?
1: weather-related. I thought I'd pick Pratchett's um, go at the same sentence, basically. Although, obviously, he <laughs> wrote that one, too. Uh the clouds had settled somewhat, so that up here, six stories above the streets, it was possible to believe you were on a beach at the edge of a cold, moonlit sea. The occasional tall tower or steeple rose out of the clouds, but all sounds were muffled and pulled in on themselves. Midnight came and went. Constable downspout watched and thought about pigeons.
0: <laughs> Didn't really need the last bit. but <laughs> No, the last bit is the nice little clunk at the end of the poetry that we love so much.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Not much to say about that. Just another one of Pratchett's lovely little bit of descriptions that I enjoyed. It does. Makes me think a bit about that uh, Mary Poppins scene, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Up where the smoke is all billers and curls, Constable Downspout thinks about pigeons.
0: Still a better Cockney accent than Dick Van Dyke. Well done. Thank you. (laughs) The bar is low. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Hop over it in
1: a jaunty fashion.
0: Anyway, characters. You and I are so well known for our jaunty
1: hopping. I jaunt. I hop when I'm playing with the little dog. We. Oh, yes. I'm I I veritably a- bound. Oh, I've got a weird energy today. I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> I kind of like it. It's a good vibe. <laughs> right, characters. Let's talk about characters. Should we talk about Dorful? Oh, Dorful. Oh, Dorful. Oh, he's so
1: I sl- oh, We should have said this last week, but the, the fact he was trying to save Father Tugelkirk by...
0: Doing that is just adorable. It's I love incredibly very much. sweet. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Dorful. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll talk more about all of the golems later because mm-hmm. uh, I could have gone down eight different rabbit holes going down that rabbit hole.
1: Yes, yes. I picked one and you'll hear about that next week. But
0: <laughs> I may or may not have lost an hour looking at how Yiddish developed as a language. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, but um, yes, Dorful, the golem very
1: sweet film has A really clumsy false
0: confession. <laughs> yes, I did everything. Yes. <laughs> After, uh, I think I really enjoy how clever he is when he's interrogated back at the, uh, the butcher's yard, the castle market area. Okay. Where he clearly explains... Obviously I wasn't there, I was in the slaughterhouse because it ha- must have happened recently, and obviously I have been working.
1: Yes. Um even though they could tell he was lying. Yeah. It's a nice That's... little bit of grinding. Uh it's like showing his working. Yeah. But lying in this case.
0: <laughs> it's really clever writing because Brad manages to put quite a lot of emotion into the conversations with Dorfall, despite the fact that The point is he's a golem and he's somewhat not emotional
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: uh because you know we only start really seeing how much depth of feeling the golems really have towards the end of this section
1: yes and uh, i don't know yeah there's something almost more more moving about the kind of glimpses of emotion you get when it's so stilted uh, yeah and difficult for him but yeah
0: especially with the whole thing about uh you know the golems rebel by working too hard malicious compliance one of my very favorite things (laughs) although i really hate the malicious compliance subreddit because it's always weirdly smug
1: yeah it is i was hoping it um would be more i don't know (laughs) less of those fucking bullshit stories basically but what was i Do you think people would do that? Just yeah. go on the internet and tell lines? Yeah. <laughs> just just of lie not. on the internet. No.
0: No. Everyone's very honest. Look, It's very difficult for us to think about how dishonest people are on the internet because we're, we over-sharers. Have very, yeah, we're giant oversharers with no shame. I mean, I have yeah. a lot of shame, but that's just because I'm an ex-Catholic. I've learned to bury <laughs> it deep down.
1: Yeah. Oh, dear. Um, so the uh, speaking of shame...
0: <laughs> Speaking of shame, the Judas goats, yeah, he should be ashamed, but he's not <clears throat> this is obviously uh it's Judas goats, but they are a real yeah. thing, yeah, uh, you mostly used with sheep because sheep are very stupid and will follow they are stupid. things sheep are so stupid, I love them they terrify me, but I love them
1: i uh, I like to pronounce it Yudas goat in my head even though I know it's meant to be Judas goat um just because I like the word Yudas goat Yudas goat is quite satisfying to say, yeah but the yes, the the concept is that the little goat walks into a room calmly, and the sheep who were panicking follow the calm influence and then get slaughtered. Yep, uh, and that is a thing. I in a less grisly version of this, perhaps uh, cheaters who are in captivity uh, in zoos or whatever for largely good reasons, I think, in these good zoos. Um, are yeah it's about supplied conservation. with emotional support dogs. Uh, they're given puppies while they're still cubs, um, because it helps them deal with what would otherwise be a very stressful environment. They see how chill the dog is, uh, because cheaters te- are just constant balls of anxiety, usually. Yeah, um, they are not like the chill, massive bosses that tigers are, for instance, or leopards, they are. They're not real they're not one of the panthera, are they? They're not technically one of the giant cats.
0: No, they're uh I can't remember. They're a slightly different genus, I think. Yeah. Not genus, the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Genus don't, is the feline in and then. Yeah.
1: <laughs> look, 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 here we are. This is happening again. You're saying these things and you don't know. And I know you don't know because I can see your face and I know you. <laughs> but people are gonna think you think you know, and they'll feel like they need to correct you.
0: Yeah, but that's how I learn okay but and then okay. people tweet us and then we get engagement and then more people hear it. it's about engagement okay. francine okay but that's going really close to the idea of that shit journalism
1: gets more engagement and you know that makes me sad
0: okay yeah i'm pretty sure you're right though i don't think cheetahs are part of the
1: no they're not panthera yeah, yeah yeah point is like lions and uh like tigers, tigers and bears, and bears are <laughs> Have really like similar skulls and that, it's hard to tell apart when they're just skeletons, but cheetahs, not
0: yes. smaller. lively They're very up. anxious, so anxious. they get pet dogs. Yeah.
1: How the fuck do we get? Oh, the goat, right, yeah. Um <laughs>
0: <laughs> highly recommend going on YouTube and just looking at videos of baby cheetahs hanging out with their emotional support puppies because yeah, That's good. It's good for the soul. Good very for what good Iles, for yeah. the soul um, That'll fix what ails. Yeah, what else have we got?
1: Down Oh wait, sorry, oh, they. They they kind of skipped over that because it's not the character.
0: It's not a characteristic, but it's kind of a group of characters. And I like how the mystery is being built here. This is on page 143 in the cookie paperback. Um, In a way, it didn't matter who they were. Their anonymity was part of the whole business. They thought themselves part of the march of history. Uh, Men who felt that the time had come. And -hmm. they're the the ones who are plotting to obviously bring down Vetinari and put a king in his place. Yeah. They are fulfilling the role of uh, Edward that edward had in men at arms the plotting to yes the um i liked how
1: mr slant was like and now it is sane men doing it or Mm. whatever when no like everyone who did it obviously thought that
0: everyone thinks they are the sane and righteous one when they're plotting to murder the patrician yeah yeah yes is a tyrant but he's a good tyrant yeah, he's a, he's a uh,
1: affable's not the word.
0: <laughs> I know, affable tyrant's quite good. Affable tyrant, that's no, my this business card. No, not particularly uh, affable. Yes, that's going on your business card. <laughs> As you know me, I'm very rarely tyrannical. <laughs> you went there when I had to organise hanging the bunting at the baby shower a couple of weeks ago. No, I was not. Anyway, sorry. And then we have Constable Downspelt. Yeah, who he's good at his job. He's good at his job. He's happy with his pigeons. Yeah, <clears throat> but I quite like the bit where Vimes lists off who's guarding Vetinari. Mm. Uh, you have Constable out the Gargoyle, and then you have uh, Corporal Gimletson, Constable Glod's nephew, Constables Flint and Moraine. So it's nice to see Flint and Moraine again. They're doing yeah. well.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting how quick I. Oh, look, again, time frames a bit murky but how quick the watch came around to many non-human
0: well that was part of detritus's uh vicious recruitment drive during men at arms when carrot formed the city militia
1: oh yes of course yes it was yes
0: and that's where the famous Ankh pork Sun comes from as, as i was walking down peach pie street the watch came along and said you'll join the watch or get your gahulog kicked gahulog head kicked in well remembered yeah. so i went down to on my own instead tra la 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 um and then we have
1: speaking of dwarfs
0: kind of thomas strong in the arm thomas strong in the arm i i found this quite entertaining Bratchett's really good at skewering certain types of people in a brief paragraph when he doesn't mm-hmm. need to when he doesn't need to thomas strong in the arms you know he's a side character um and this is uh, Thomas Smith has given himself a dwarf name,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and put a scowling dwarf holding a hand, hang- uh, holding a hammer, on his sign. And he hasn't actually claimed his his products are dwarf made, but very much heavily implying it. Of course. And then when the committee for equal heights has objected to it, um, but most of the committee's human because dwarfs don't actually really care about it in the same way. Yeah, they're the. <laughs> He's skewering
1: both ends of a common argument there, isn't he?
0: Yes, the people who will take advantage of people and the the very well-meaning but ultimately not very helpful activists. Yes, yes. I'm not sure I even really mean the word activist there, but you you know what I mean. I do. People who will complain on other people's behalf. Whether those other people would like to be complained on their behalf or not.
1: Yes. Yep, that was pretty much what i was trying to say oh my god sorry <laughs> gosh gosh i've just had a a day of waiting for things to happen today and now I'm, my brain's catching up with actually having to
0: speak <laughs> we'll get there so yeah so i enjoyed thomas strong in the arm it's just a very fun skewering moment uh and then we have we mad arthur we mad arthur what a fun new introduction introduced I'm right at the you. end of this section uh-huh very very tiny scottish man she I wonder if we'll meet, with a crossbow. Wonder if we'll ever meet any other tiny Scottish men in these books. Oh, who could say? Cribbons, who could et say? Um, <laughs>
1: but yeah, I like him as a little vigilante businessman, almost in in the guild-controlled world of Antwerp.
0: I like the way it addresses the economy of being a few inches tall as well. Mm-hmm. The difference between a loaf of bread being a meal for a day and a meal for a week and also a bedroom for a bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's um extremely violent.
0: Extremely violent, but in a way that I sort of sympathise with because... He's the second rat catcher we've had in as many books. He is. You're right. I miss that. Very different to the last book's rat catcher. Yes,
1: yeah, so although the last one as well, to be fair, did seem like he was good at his job. He just got a bit of a... <laughs>
0: bit of a death there a <laughs> bit of a death there but i, I like that the slight difference and i'm not sure why the difference is there is that in the last book and i can't remember the name i think it was mr pounder the rat catcher yeah uh when he dies and meets the death of rats the death of rats' reaction is sort of a ha 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 and now you're going to be a rat
1: yeah
0: um reincarnation believes in you yes whereas with the bone rat turning up as we mad arthur's hunting there's uh, almost like a com- they don't interact with each other, but you can feel that the bone rat sort of respects it as a job well done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's, it's more one-on-one kind of. That is the difference between a person hunting a lion with a sniper rifle and like wrestling it, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I like that he also uh, likes to give the wasps a sporting chance when he's clearing out their nests on the way home. Wasps. <laughs> as the sign said. That's my note on that. <laughs> wasps so yes i enjoy we mad arthur there's something about a tiny short and terrifyingly violent man who's also fighting the guild because he's decided he doesn't like it
1: wonderful very
0: Very hard to find uh locations Mm. yes locations i can't remember uh if we've definitely been to the bucket in gleam street before but i don't know if we've talked about the bucket in gleam street before i don't recall but Which yeah, is, the,
1: the policeman's bar anyway.
0: Yes, they've adopted it as their own. And the sort of entertaining robbers who clearly don't quite know how things work when they turn up.
1: <laughs> Poor sods. <laughs> what a week they've had.
0: Well, it's another one of those scenes. Obviously, anger roughs them up a bit and police brutality and blur. But also you can very much see this one being filmed.
1: It's uh, harder to sympathise with the recipient when they literally did just kidnap the person. Though, you know. Well, there is that. As and far also, as they knew, they just kidnapped a random woman, not a policeman. So.
0: I don't think she's actually savaging them. I think she's mostly just scaring them off. Yeah, to the flesh wounds.
1: But yes, the, the filming bit, you're quite right. The kind of stoic conversation about anything else for a minute.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Everyone very politely having a conversation as you just hear an ah in the background, especially the when Vime's turning to Carrot and just sort of going, are you guys, uh, it's... it's are you guys getting along all right? Fine, sir. Some people think there might be uh, problems. There was a thud and a faint bubbling noise. We work around them, sir," said Carrot, raising his voice slightly.
1: <laughs> "Yep, yeah, he's very understanding, is Carrot.
0: Uh, and then we have Cockbill Street, the ancestral home of Samuel Vimes. Yeah,
1: we the the other side of the shambles, the the poor but law abiding."
0: Yeah, this isn't the Shades where it's sort of
1: not the Shambles, sorry. Yeah, it's the
0: Shades. The sh- yeah, the Shambles is a place is a street in Yorkshire. Yes, very pretty. No, mm. oh, in York, I should say. Uh, the Shades is the sort of poor part of town that you wouldn't want to walk through in a dark night. It's vicious. Whereas Cockbill Street is the poor part of town where everyone is very proud and uh, yeah. You can you might there might not be anything on the table, but the table would be well strug- well scrubbed.
1: The uh, the idea of too poor to paint, too proud to have whitewash, is something that comes up once or twice in the Discord books, and I'd never heard of like any snobbery surrounding whitewash
0: before. It must be a it very, mu- it must be a thing, yeah. But there's what's the line? Oh, you might as well rename the place Memory Lane. Yeah, <laughs> but it's uh, it's the interesting aspect of the class thing. I, like especially the northern side of my family was very working class that had got up to middle class and was incredibly proud about it. Right, yeah. Mostly demonstrating wealth through some terrible carpets. <laughs> they were just awful.
1: Well, the 80s happened to,
0: Interior happened to
1: England, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> 70s and 80s really left its mark on a lot of houses.
0: Yes, the biggest mark, historical mark of the 70s and 80s was the carpets. So much brown. So much yellow. brown. So much All very brown.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, no, it's a cool little insight into Vimes' upbringing, though. Um, Yeah. It it does mention, like, oh, we were all big families, and I don't think we ever hear about any of Vimes' siblings that I recall. But
0: No, it's just sort of implied that it was a large family. It's thinking about the way people think, the way uh, something about the absolute pride in this poorest part of town means that they're the ones who follow the rules the hardest.
1: Mm.
0: And it reminds me a lot of that sort of whole bootstraps thing of... Yeah. Uh, the way marginalized communities, especially, are sort of encouraged to turn on each other rather than working together.
1: Yeah, because you could
0: be one of those. The cra- crab bucket <clears throat> thing,
1: which is another yeah. thing that will we'll come across at some point. Um, yeah, crab
0: bucket was exactly what I was talking about there. Sorry. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, the the quote I nearly chose mine actually was people said there was one law for the rich and one law for the poor, but it wasn't true. There was no law for those who made the law. And no law for the incorrig- incorrigibly lawless. All the laws and rules were for those people stupid enough to think like Cockbill Street people.
0: Yeah, yes. And that Vimes has kind of a bitterness to the memories there as well of the pe- the people he came from.
1: Yeah, it very much reminds me of just local Facebook groups. Because- anyway, um, we've got the
0: Rats' Chamber. The Rats' Chamber. Yeah, this is a fun reference. Uh, the Rats' Chamber is where the guild leaders meet. Mm-hmm. Uh, So the German word for council chamber is Ratskammer. Is that so? It is. I looked it up. I couldn't find the etymology of it. So if we've got any German listeners who know where the word Ratskammer comes from, do tell us.
1: Someone told us something about a German phrase after last week's episode. So we've got somebody
0: yep um it's also an anagram of star chamber which was a criminal sort of civil court created by henry the seventh but it was abolished mm, right. anagrams are we yeah it was abolished after james and charles the first both abused that power horribly i assume monarchs and very two. famously had a star decoration on the ceiling okay uh, and the decoration described on the ceiling of the rats chamber rats danced in a circle their tails intertwining at the center i assume is as a reference to rat kings Oh, we do like a rat king. We do like a rat king. I'll, I'll save the full history of rat kings for another episode. Yeah.
1: Um, but yet again, I will recommend The Haunting of Eliza Cray, a really creepy young adult book that has rat kings in it.
0: Awesome. Also, as as rats have come up, shout out to uh, Dapper Dork from our subreddit who just got two really <laughs> yeah. cute pet rats that he's uh, named Ridcul- Ridcully and Bursa. Yeah, very adorable. Rats are cute as fuck. God, I love rats. Anyway, uh, and then... Obviously, we t- we've not actually talked about Ankh-Morpork as Ankh-Morpork for a while, but there's some sort of good insight into how it's running now, especially under yeah. Um The fact that he'd taken the city and made it work, especially if you look at the fact that uh, we've seen, we haven't seen Vetinari come into power since the beginning of the books. It's obviously just the writing changed a bit. I can't remember the first book we actually met Vetinari, but yeah, yeah, the patrician was different in the early books, and we've seen the city change as the books go on um he's talked about the fact that he's made the city work uh opening its gates to dwarfs and trolls um improving it economically and then lending all the other places so much money that they can't really declare war because Ankh Morpork technically owns the weapons yeah
1: uh-huh.
0: <laughs> I can't remember uh, if it's this book or if it's one we've already covered, but there's definitely a reference at some point to the Ankh-Morporkian national anthem being We Own You Wholesale. Previous book, but yeah, very yeah. good.
1: Um, yeah, and Vimes at some point, I think before that passage, was talking about how Ankh-Morpork working as a machine that does unfortunately crush the odd the old person in its gears. Yeah. Which... Is Which uh, way of looking at it.
0: Yeah, it's another, it's an interesting way of looking at it, but it it keeps hammering home what these people who are determined to have a king are so desperate to ignore, which is that Vecinari is the best thing for the city, if not best for the individual higher levels of the city.
1: Yes, although I kind of get their point in that if the system continues as is and it all relies on Vecinari, one day he will just die anyway. Yeah. And probably, you know working out a sustainable system that would outlive the current tyrant is a good idea. In fact, that's where many
0: nations have gone wrong. That is very true. But eliminating the tyrant before you've worked out the sustainable system. Oh yeah. no. Because you think you can do better. Well, that that is them
1: working out the sustainable system
0: though, isn't it? Well, yeah, I suppose. (laughs) From that point of view. Look, I think the real point, Francine, is that neither of us should become tyrants.
1: That well, says you. I'm pretty confident.
0: I suppose if we work together. Yeah, we'll be all right. There'll, there'll be, be a lot of spreadsheets. A little tyrantette in the country. Well, yeah. <laughs> a little tyrantette to get away in the summer.
1: <laughs> all right.
0: Little bits we liked.
1: Cobblestones. Uh, cobblestones, yes. I forgot the first one. I've always really liked the idea, the concept of Vimes navigating the streets about more pork through the cardboard soles of his cheap boots via just knowing what kind of cobblestones are where. And in different streets, yeah. Yeah, I don't know why. I just find the concept really pleasing. And I think this is the first book we have a proper look at it. And yeah, so that's thought I'd point it
0: out. I like it. I, I don't know how he knows the proper name for all of the different types of cobblestone.
1: No, I don't know whether that's just something Pratchett happened to know and wanted to shove in there somewhere uh, or the Vimes are the secret side hustle. Is a Nope, nope. Not going anywhere with that cobblestone repairman. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is the name for someone who studies cobblestones? Uh, Coblogist. 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 Yeah, yeah. I like how confidently you said that.
1: Yeah, yes, yes. A breeze straight past that before anyone has the chance to write in. The Secret Society of Police Chase Interrupters, Joanna.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's very hard not to just put every footnote in every book as little bits we liked, but right. I greatly This is enjoyed. a good
1: footnote one, actually. Again, isn't it?
0: Every time he's when he's chasing the mysterious figure and um whenever he came close to it, some muffled pedestrian got in the way or a cart pulled out of a cross street. <laughs> and the footnote this always happens in any police chase anywhere. A heavily laden lorry will always pull out of a side a side alley in front of the pursuit. Well, there'll be men with a rack of garments or two men with a large sheet of glass. There's probably some sort of secret society behind all of this. (laughs) And I just really like the idea that there is some kind of anti-police society that just goes around inconveniencing them in hilarious ways.
1: I'm very into this conspiracy theory.
0: Yeah, I'm inventing it now.
1: Like low-level anarchists, kind of a a mix between clowns and anarchists, clownarchists. Anna Anna Clowns. Anna Clowns, yeah. Yes. Oh, that's a good place to shoehorn in what I told you earlier. Um, (laughs) 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 So I learned today on No Such Thing as a Fish, although it was an old episode actually, uh, that uh, the Pingu, the lovely children's TV programme Pingu, was always voiced by by people with a clowning background and and did a special uh, form of special theatre gibberish called, what was it, Gabblegoth or something.
0: Now going to look up and go down a rabbit hole of that's not relevant to anything to do with Pratchett. Yep.
1: Yeah, I I was very self-controlling today, I think. I did not do that, but I will be doing so this evening. (laughs) Like, fuck fuck what we were talking about? Damn it. See, this is what nearly happened to me earlier. But I saved it for the recording, which is way more professional.
0: Shade on Sherlock.
1: Shade on Sherlock. Yeah, not just because it alliterates. I rather enjoyed the fact that although... Pratchett rather liberally uh, references Sherlock Holmes or, and Arthur Conan Doyle. Um, he also kind of has a massive go at the concept behind some of the Sherlock monologues here. So uh, he distrusted the kind of person who take one look at another man and say in a lordly voice to his companion, ah, my dear sir, I can tell you nothing except that he is a left-handed stonemason who spent some years in the Merchant Navy and is recently fallen on hard times. Uh, because to paraphrase, just because his calluses look like that is it yeah well it could be some dude who did his barbecue this weekend or whatever tattoos while he (laughs) was drunk and in fact got seasick on a wet pavement yeah what arrogance what an insult to the rich and chaotic variety of the human experience um yeah i just love the fact that Vimes is like anti-sharlock
0: apparently uh wodehouse used to i've read in annotated pratchett that would uh wodehouse pg wodehouse used uh-huh. to uh, wodehouse. do this as well and take the piss out of the kind of sherlock Holmesy and clue hunting i can't remember which of his series of books it was that annotated uh-huh. pratchett mentioned but it's not one i've read because i've only really read some of the jeeves and worcester ones yeah yeah same
1: oh, he, may, he may well have done it a couple of times in jeeves and worcester but the possibly. thing about jeeves and worcester is i read them to be not quite in this world. <laughs> it's a little through the looking glass experience for me every time. Oh, they're such good fun. Oh, they, I should reread some of that.
0: But yes, to, I enjoyed got it. got to remember bit.
1: they're there for when I'm in a bad mood, actually. Yeah.
0: Pick up a woodhouse. <laughs> Pick up a woodhouse. No, it doesn't work.
1: Dwarves oh, and, and rings. Dwarves and rings.
0: Uh, it's a fun little, uh, uh, cheery starts slowly expressing her feminine side. She's wearing earrings. And, Vine sort of notices and um, says, yeah, I didn't think dwarves wore jewelry." she said, we're known for rings. So, yes, of course, rings. No one quite like a dwarf for forging a magical ring. Uh,
1: little, not a little literary reference.
0: Well, literary reference. Uh, dwarves make rings in Lord of the Rings, obviously, and I assumed it was kind of a Tolkien reference. Um, but Tolkien himself is obviously referencing back to Wagner and it's a dwarf who makes the ring that is the focus of the ring cycle
1: oh god I don't know my Wagner
0: cool.
1: I don't know my, I don't know my Wagner he keeps coming up on this podcast he does doesn't he I think we should we should um exorcise Wagner that was good that was good fact but if he comes up again I'm getting the bell and the book and the bible the bell and the book and the bible
0: okay. no, the, the bible the is, is the bible
1: book. a candle. candle a candle
0: bell a book and a candle
1: but how the candles
0: make have been made redundant Hopscotch rhymes page 234 yeah um I am constantly weirdly obsessed with strange vimes not vimes I mean obviously I'm obsessed (laughs) obviously I'm a bit obsessed with vimes he's one of my favorite characters no rhymes strange rhymes that Mm -hmm. uh, sung while skipping and hopscotching and the rest of it Clapping. clapping games exactly um it's really really hard to research like origins of these things some of them yeah. go back as far as the 17th century, but there's these sort of weird ephemeral things that no one remembers where they come from. Like I think we've talked on the podcast before about some of the weird ones we remember from childhood.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah.
0: The, especially I went to a Chinese restaurant to buy a loaf of bread, bread, bread. As one does. Who buys bread from a Chinese restaurant?
1: Me, if I'm trying to make it rhyme, okay. no, um, it, Yeah, it, it is a really interesting area of study that is as we again point out full of quite a lot of bullshit because so much of it has to be yeah
0: Yeah, it's all all theorized it's Mm. uh things like there's not ring a ring a rosie being about the plague Mm. that's more of a very very popular theory than actual fact yeah um
1: Uh, but hopscotch rhymes did you find anything interesting there
0: well a i really like you know, Vines is reminiscing about the hopscotch rhymes and um, instead of kicking a stone, they kicked William Scuggins yes. and used to chant well, William Scuggins. <laughs> he was trying to remember what you shouted as you hopped, salt, mustard, vinegar, pepper, or William William Scuggins is a bastard. <laughs> and we get a payoff on 242 when he's asking, um, what is it they uh, do when they do hopscotch? And she says they sing, Billy Skunkins is a brass stud.
1: Yes. So the way that sort of lasts <laughs> Oh, yeah, Gina. Until you read that aloud, I hadn't got it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> this is not my first time reading this book. It's the first time I've got that. Yeah. <laughs> but I like the way that things sort of twist and change shape over the years. But there is uh, a hopscotch rhyme, Mabel, Mabel, set the table. A skipping rhyme, Mabel, Mabel, set the table. Don't forget the salt, vinegar, mustard, pepper.
1: Oh, yeah, I um, do remember that one. That was one of the double Dutch ones, wasn't it? Yes. When you started singing the condiments, you get to the...
0: Yeah, uh, I found it in... I think that one I got from Wikipedia. So it just says in brackets after pepper, rapid turning follows. Oh. <laughs> I was never rapid very good at follows. I was never <laughs> very good at skipping. I could skip on my own, but the bit where two people hold the big rope and you jump in and out, I never really got the hang of.
1: Um uh, I was okay at it for a little bit. Um, um before I had uh, as before mentioned, uh, my gross spurt and accompanying complete lack of coordination for the rest of my life. Yeah, you Uh, have so much limb. So much limb. But for a little while there, I was quite good at it as a little girl. (laughs)
0: Um, But I I obviously went down a rabbit hole of trying to research popular hopscotch rhymes and skipping rhymes, but partly to see if I could find any I remembered from my childhood. And I found a really weird website. Oh, yeah. The the main homepage seems to be uh, what was it? Um, headington.org.uk. And it's about a small town in Oxford. But The page of the website I found through Googling, and I only went back to the homepage to try and work out why this was there, was a a list entitled Games Played by Girls in Plymouth in the 1960s. Hmm. And it was Skipping Rhymes and Hot Scottish Rhymes.
1: And that's from an Oxfordshire town website.
0: yeah, I'll link to this in the show notes and listeners can poke around it for themselves. I've seen the odd little thing
1: like this before. And I do like the idea that some people are just putting complete their, their own random hobbyist shit on whatever website they've been told to make.
0: It's a very, very old website. It's yeah. an old looking website. Like a lot of it's in Comic Sans. And there's like a page about old TV adverts and old jingles and things on there. It's, it's just odd. Oh, I bet it's haunted definitely
1: haunted is a concept yes, i keep meaning to write a short story on oh
0: that's a good one i might make that for a poem sorry okay as long as it. like
1: we make it clear afterwards that i didn't steal your idea and like you don't sue me about a kidney <laughs> 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 that is a reference that will make no sense in 2 weeks <laughs> yep
0: listeners we're referring to bad art friend yes
1: the very long new york times piece that has rocked the internet uh Oh, it has made some of us chuckle gently.
0: Yes, um, but yeah. So from this list, girls played by games in Plymouth. In the, no games played by girls. Girls in Plymouth played in by night. games
1: in Plymouth.
0: <laughs> uh, I brought this. Uh, I said I'd bring us back to, to. I said I'd bring us back to, uh, and now I've got to remember how to say it again. Nebuchadnezzar. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And this is apparently was a popular rhyme in by girls in Plymouth in the nineteen sixties. Really uh, Nebuchadnezzar king of the Jews bought his wife a pair of shoes when the shoes began to wear Nebuchadnezzar began to swear when the swearing had to stop Nebuchadnezzar bought a shop when the shop began to to sell Nebuchadnezzar bought a bell when the bell began to ring Nebuchadnezzar began to sing Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall etc. Oh, I've never heard this before as a weird intro stanza to Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, but apparently, Girls in Plymouth in the 1960s, according to a weird website about a small town in Oxfordshire. Hmm. If any of our listeners are from Headington in Oxford and can explain this fucking yeah. website fuck? to <laughs> not don't, don't
1: point it out to the council, though, in case that gets taken down. Like,
0: No, it's it's the best website I've yeah. ever found. I love it deeply. Uh, so, but try and find out what it's about. Yeah. I'm going to start an investigative journalism podcast about Headington in Oxford. Fuck. What now? Ratty hands, Francine. <laughs> oh, yeah, <no.
1: laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, no, nice short one to finish the rambling. Uh, I, this passage just made me laugh out loud. So I'm putting it in there. Uh, Volo Vonsen, cream of rats, said Gimlet, all hygienically prepared. How do you mean hygienically prepared, prepared? Said Carrot. The chef is under strict orders to wash his hands afterwards. The assembled dwarfs nodded. This was certainly pretty hygienic. You didn't want people going around with ratty hands. <laughs> <laughs> just the, the stupid little inversion thing, which is a lovely little device, and then just the idea, just the. Bratty hands
0: (laughs) that made me laugh also when Gimlet's discussing uh, cooking with the rat and he talks about how you've got to make this pie a certain way because all the noses have to peek out of the pastry (laughs) stargazy pie which is an actual dish where you make the little fish heads and tails poke out of the I've never eaten it it looks gross doesn't it but very impressive
1: yep you know I say someone still eats fish it does look gross
0: and I'm very much willing to eat every part of a thing and eat fish heads and what have you (laughs) Use every part of the rat <laughs> <laughs> of course hygienically no waste hygienically <laughs> okay sorry so talking points uh yeah
1: so my first thing is just the fuck I forgot how dark this was and it, it, is it really, really dark at the beginning um like in the beginning you get some cool little horror or noir tropes with all the fog and the you know coming out of the gloom and the cinematic aspects as you were saying But some of this made me like properly shudder. And I'm not sure if I did the last time I read it, um, and what's changed or whether I'm just paying more attention. Yeah. So say is that starting with, I think the first thing I noticed was um the bit with the the white golem and like screaming into the night kind of thing. That's a hell of an image. Yeah. uh, with like the, the mouth opening kind of whatever. And then the bits about the suicides, the um Yeah. The golems killing themselves. The the, the one where, uh, was it Doric? Um, I think Dibbuck. Dibbuck, sorry. Had his head smashed below a drop hammer, which, by the way, I'd never heard of. But That bit
0: particularly, really, I mean, it's horrifying. It's very mm. well written, mm. Uh, but it reminded me specifically of this uh, basically a part in a video game where you're playing. Uh, I can't remember, what it's, called. it's something to do. I think it's Edith Finch. Mm. Um, it's a really good sort of horror-ish mystery game, but there's a part where you're Playing a character whose job is decapitating fish in a cannery, so you're doing this repetitive motion with the controller. But you start going off into this fantasy world inside his head, and it gets richer and richer as this story is told. And then it has this horrifying ending where suddenly the fantasy world is gone because he's cut his own hand off or something. while decapitating the fish, oh. it's you don't see anything gory. Have you been playing? <laughs> well, it's it's like I said, it's kind of a mystery game, but you don't oh. you don't see anything gory it's just the way the story oh. is told into this really rich fantasy that ends with this horrible moment it's incredibly good writing that's what the that particular moment reminded me of
1: christ yeah that's very cool um i and yeah just the, the the writing on the slate with the the um shame sadness whatever play of my clay play of my clay thank you yeah um and yeah just some of the the description of dorful like the the fucking the the what the emotions the knowledge coming into his empty head and it would have bounced out but he didn't have a mouth to scream and oh just the the was it Bimes describing the the slate as having like words words of black distress
0: and yeah just, god all of it's just really fucking grim and Angua finding the room where the golems had their meeting and the mm. like
1: all the writing over each other.
0: And, yeah yeah no
1: um since he said it last week i've been like trying to imagine it a bit more cinematically as well and yeah all of this just whew,
0: cool right it's so good and it is you're right it's very dark and i forget how dark this one is as well because you know i remember got fun- golems being established the- yeah yeah and the funny bits it's really funny in places but yeah it makes the dark stuff a lot darker
1: hmm. yeah i think yeah for me the two images the one of the uh the one committing suicide with the drop hammer and the the scene m- more so of Dorful with his empty head and stuff echoing in it even though the words have been taken out. Mm. Um yeah. I mean I'll talk a little bit a bit more about that next week because I'm I've got some some thoughts on Dorful's yes, the- uh, in intelligence, whatever, which is just discussed. So
0: yeah and um relevant next week the scene of the the sort of the white golem as it runs through the city and it Mm. and it cries out and i I forgot to mention earlier obviously we see the beggars again foul or ron and yeah yeah gaspode and the like yeah um but that scene building up to the moment where uh Dorfall's kind of screaming silently Mm. there's this really really quick anticipation that I nearly ended this section there, but I wanted to go just a little bit further because otherwise next week would be huge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the way it builds up to that moment where Dorfall's screaming silently is amazing. Mm,
1: yeah, it is. Um. Yeah, cool. Speaking Shall of we talk about amazing golems? golem stuff.
0: Yeah, obviously I wanted to go into the folklore a bit, but um, before we go on to golem, actually, just briefly, uh, the script... The, the old holy writing that's in the golem's heads mm-hmm. is called cenatine And I'm not sure exactly where Pratchett was getting it from, but a couple of interesting bits that, uh, cenotaph mm-hmm. we get from the Greek "kanos," meaning empty. Oh. And cenogenesis is a biological term for when an individual develops significantly differently from its group, which so, is kind so what's of what's the prefix. Uh, so, so I'm assuming it is this Kenos thing, which, uh, the Greek origin of empty.
1: Yeah. Huh.
0: I didn't go too deep into then the etymology, but I thought the Xenogenesis thing is interesting. So golems. Uh, So they've got their origins in Jewish folklore and the kind of references to other things to do with Jewish culture are really evident throughout the book, especially when it comes to the golems. Uh, They were a creature usually created from inanimate matter. So sort of clay or mud. Mm -hmm. One of the earliest mentions of the word golem is the Bible in Psalm Uh, 139 verse 16 uses the word Golmi or my golem and it means sort of raw material, so it's like connoting the unfinished human being before God's eyes. Uh The Mishnah uses the term to mean an uncultivated person and the Mishnah is the first major written collection of the Jewish oral traditions, so it's sort of known as the the oral Torah. Okay. In modern Hebrew, golem is used to mean dumb or helpless and kind of used for like a metaphor for. A mindless lunkhead and uh, it passed into Yiddish as goilem to mean someone who's lethargic or kind of in a stupor ah. and to clarify so modern Hebrew is sort of like the Israeli language and Yiddish uh, is language that comes from Ashkenazi mm-hmm. uh, Judaism and has uh, a lot of connections to old high German oh okay yeah I could have easily done a whole tangent just on the origins of Yiddish as I said um, but Yiddish is something that uh, a lot of words crept into modern parlance, especially in... Pol- like a lot of... um a lot of refugees like,
1: went to America, didn't they, from that part exactly. of
0: the yeah. Exactly. Um, so, uh, trying to think of a really obvious one, and now I can't. <laughs> Kvetching. Kvetching schmuck. is a really... Yeah, schmuck. Kv- <laughs> Kvetch is a really great Yiddish word that sort of means to be irked. And, yeah. So it's gripe- um, griping,
1: isn't it? But it sounds better. It's more onomatopoeic.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um. So golems, like, early stories come from early Judaism. Adam was initially created as a golem. He was shaped from mud by people. Uh, the idea is sort of shaped from mud by people close to divinity. That's from the Talmud. Um, and throughout the early Middle Ages, attempts were made to create golems. Mm-hmm. Uh, passages from the Book of Creation were studied as a means to create an animate a golem, although there's very little write- in the writings of Jewish mysticism that actually supports the belief. Okay, um, But... This is quite interesting. So the write, in the book, the writing in the golems' heads is the kem. Mm-hmm. Um, it was believed that golems could be activated by an ecstatic experience Ooh. induced by the ritualistic use of various letters of the Hebrew alphabet, forming a shem, which was um. any one of the names of God. And the shem would be written on a piece of paper and inserted into the mouth or the forehead of the golem. Okay.
1: Huh. So yeah, that's pretty. Yeah. Uh, direct parallels.
0: Uh, One of the most famous sort of folklore stories of golems is the golem of Prague, which is a story from the late 16th century um, in which uh, I'm not, I'm not going to pronounce this right. I'm sorry. Judah Lo Ben Zalol, who was a rabbi of Prague um, and reportedly created a golem out of clay from the riverbank, brought it to life to defend the Prague ghetto because at the time, um, the Jews in Prague were possibly going to be expelled or killed on the rule, under the rule of uh, Rudolf II, the Holy Roman Emperor. Okay. Uh, so the golem was called Joseph, uh, and it was said that he could make himself invisible, he could summon spirits. And uh, so Rabbi Lowe would um, remove his shem before the Sabbath began, so every Friday evening, so that the golem could rest on the Sabbath.
1: Oh, cool. Uh,
0: but he forgot to one week. And uh, the golem was worried it would desecrate the Sabbath and eventually it was chased down and the shem was pulled out and uh, the golem fell to pieces. And there was lots and lots of mysticism and folklore around this. It was believed that uh, the parts of the golem were still kept somewhere to this day. Hmm. Um, So it's quite a popular bit of folklore. And then there's lots of stuff that's then come into uh, like modern pop culture uh, that comes from this original uh, Jewish folklore.
1: Yeah, cool. As I understand so, it, there's some more recent Jewish folklore as well, isn't there? Where like sometimes Golem is a not such a benevolent character. Um, yeah, but yeah, there's so much. I'm not. There's yeah, so much of it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I tried to not yeah. just do a whole PowerPoint presentation. Again, I quite happily should have. Um, but yeah, so perhaps it keeps some other references to Yiddish in the book. Uh, a lot of the Golem names are Yiddish. Oh, yeah. Um, Dorphal's an interesting one um various research between annotated pratchett and some forums and the discworld fandom wiki have different mm-hmm. ideas about where the name comes from uh, the discworld fandom wiki claims that doofle means idiot bumpkin or holy innocent in yiddish but i couldn't find any evidence for that okay uh but i may not have looked hard enough um but from annotated pratchett um stettle is sort of a word for ghetto yeah Star, uh, comes from stad which is the german word for town and Dorf is sort of uh, a diminutive version and it can mean village so the idea is Dorfal sort of donates a small village
1: okay cool uh
0: yeah. Dib- is a word for an evil spirit or demon okay yeah 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 and um, we also meet a golem called zlob which is yiddish for a boorish glutton oh
1: nice (laughs) so they've all got like quite
0: uh derogative derogatory names yeah well i mean because they're sort of thought of as servants i mean i could also do a whole thing on asimov and robots and that's what i'm doing next week don't you dare (laughs) (laughs) and that's why i didn't
1: yeah sure that's why you
0: didn't okay i also only gave myself like two hours to (laughs) plan this episode (laughs) But yeah, it's an interesting one to look at, especially I've seen a lot of conversations about the use of uh, golems in pop culture, considering it comes from a very active folklore. from a it, It's not quite the same as using references to the ancient Greeks, because obviously uh, Jewish people and have their own stories to tell are very much still around and still very much a marginalized community today.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm not saying I have an opinion on that one way or the other, because it's uh, not really for me to yeah i'm not sitting here and saying pratchett should be cancelled for writing about golems i uh, I'm, I'm I'm
1: i i guess it's... i do have an opinion i have an opinion that it's kind of if, if 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 it's all right for him to have written about all the other folklore he has which has many times been taken from still extant and often marginalized communities then. He's not being disrespectful.
0: No, no, no. I'm. <laughs> I'm only saying it because I saw the conversation happening specifically around golems being used in folklore. Because yeah. a lot of other times they used it is takes less from the original folklore and kind of just takes this concept and runs off somewhere completely different with it. Whereas this very much looks at the Jewish aspect of it yeah. by still using the Yiddish words and. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't yeah. even specifically a conversation about Pratchett. I think this is a much more respectful way to use something from an existing folklore than.
1: Yes, yeah. Oh, God, I just realised Sarah Michelle Gellar's face is looking at me again.
0: Oh, You found sorry. your buffy mug. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really have anywhere to go with that, but I thought it was an interesting perspective. Obviously, my main knowledge of Jewish culture is mostly from TV, as it is with many people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And also going down rabbit holes of researching in Yiddishment, I've had remember that we suffered from crazy ex-girlfriends stuck in my head for most of the day.
1: I love how you finished off a conversation about potentially disrespectful
0: <laughs> I feel like as that was written and performed by a Jewish person I know I know <laughs> but it's just that's the most light-hearted possible
1: look at it and it, it is great great little very catchy yes now it's gonna be in my head <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that temp- sent me down the craziest girlfriend YouTube rabbit hole and I've also had where's the bathroom stuck in my head for most of the day
1: uh, I, uh, I hate everything but "Use" what always gets
0: in my head <laughs> uh Cecil for me is another really good one anyway sorry I've taken us off on a tangent yeah um let's get back to the episode uh automation and AI you did want to briefly talk about I know you're going to talk about it a lot more next week
1: yeah um I just thought I'd have a little note on this in this week's because we have the uh the candle maker that's been made redundant yeah and some of the general distrust of these golems um rather than looking at it from like the robotics the ai perspective in this one um i think it's worth looking at the parallels to just kind of automation and the way that has it, for a very long time since the you know the bloody spinning jenny um upset trades of various kinds for a good reason and kind of where 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 rank more pork is standing in that at the moment and like having in, in this case it's not a piece of new technology it's of old technology except the golem's kind of new isn't it but um yeah people just being paranoid out of a job by something that's doing a better more consistent 24-hour job yeah um and the yeah the discomfort people are feeling with it as well um and i'd also like to just briefly look at the Parallels and Terry Pratchett being in a good light here in comparison to J.K. Rowling, where J.K. Rowling kind of looks quite deeply at the discomfort that some characters feel with the idea of a slave class of house elves. Yeah. And, you know, they want to work. That's the whole point, blah, blah, blah. And that's never really resolved and no. it's really fucking weird honestly
0: when you look at it and it's it, kind of it, gross <laughs> that she wrote the uh, happy slave race that wants yeah. to be slaves
1: and I feel like Pratchett's kind of doing the same thing with the golems here and is showing the discomfort in a much more meaningful manner and yeah. will continue to do so um and yeah I just
0: it's a really interesting point actually yeah
1: so just yes some some things to look out for on the talking point really is that the way that automation and technology is affecting the industry and the way that uh, a class that's seen as a slave class is tra- uh, is treated and thought about in yeah uh, in these books yep yeah.
0: and that's where i think he brings in the rebellion by working thing really well um yes
1: yeah yeah the, again and it's it's this backwards thinking isn't it because vime's saying like oh he doesn't like that these tools have secrets you know they're not people but they have secrets and it's a very mental gymnastics-y way of looking at it rather than thinking they are complex enough to have secrets yeah Therefore, and it's... they're probably not just shovels
0: <laughs> anguas sort of discomfort as well with mm. them as not quite human but they're allowed to go around being not quite human where she has to really hide what she is
1: i had a look at um the, the etymology of the word undead because uh, Angua makes the distinction between undead and unalive. Yeah. Um, and it's, it wasn't really interesting enough to make a whole thing about, but uh, undead was used from the 1400s to just mean something alive. Oh, uh, right. But then it, it was uh, Bram Stoker who used it in the, And it was undead with the decapitalized as well. Ah, fucking much. Bram Stoker. I know uh <laughs> Anyway, we hate Bram Stoker. I, oh yeah, no, you don't like Dracula, do you? Uh, it, it is terribly dull. Um,
0: <laughs> anyway, speaking of Angua, yeah, and of Cheery, let's talk about gender in the Watch. Oh yes, this is just—it's an interesting point. uh Doesn't Pratchett make some good points? Nah. Uh, all right. <laughs> good <for> people. Uh, <laughs> Hot take. <laughs> and cheeries talking about you know you can be um whatever you want to be as long as you're being a dwarf yeah yeah uh people constantly talking about mining going on about gold uh the repeated joke ang was saying i thought dwarves love gold they just say that to get get it into bed <laughs> and ang were comparing it to life in the watch you can be any sexy like provided you act male yeah there's no men and women just a bunch of lads uh how much su- how much you sucked last night how strong the curry was uh, you have to be prepared for sexually explicit jokes. And I like the Angle sort of says, oh, that seems to have stopped now. They stopped after I joined in, and I did yeah. all the gestures properly as well. But <laughs> some of them were quite small gestures. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but I think I found it really relatable, obviously, because I came up in working in kitchens, and it was very much the same thing. Um, if you were a girl working in that kind of industry, you had to be – you didn't just have to do everything the guys did. You had to be twice as tough. Yeah. Because if a guy does hurt himself and actually has to take himself out of action, it's like, oh, well, he must have really hurt himself. Whereas if a girl does exact, gets exactly the same industry, not industry, injury. In the industry. In in the industry, then it's a, oh, she's being a girl, she can't take it. Yeah. Uh, also, why women
1: do not get the same kind of pain relief when seeking medical attention. Oh, yeah, that too. Yeah. Fun, fun little systematic gender oppression. Exactly. Uh-
0: <laughs> God, I hate it's gender. Systemic, uh, systemic yeah. gender oppression. Yeah. Um, but I like the way that Cherie still finds a way to very quietly start being herself. She starts, mm. you know, borrowing makeup from Angua and wearing earrings. And there's a great moment where she's um she's trying to choose a name for herself. Oh, I love that. But yeah. I love it. And uh Angua points out, you know, when you go with Cherie, because it's close enough to the one you've got already so people won't notice unless you point it out to them yeah it's a really lovely mind when you've made up your mind to shout out who you are to the world it's a relief to know that you can do it in a whisper
1: yes I uh from the same page actually I really liked the bit where she says um uh well what image did the name Cherie conjure up was it a, a a short person with a round What's face the st- and a long beard and um and earrings and lipstick well she supposed it was now or something like that
0: <laughs> it's very sweet a how supportive angua is and b that Cheery gets to take this coming out process at her own pace and no one is actually mm. having a go at her for it obviously we'll talk a bit about it as other dwarfs start interacting with it more next week but like vine sort of is surprised by it mm. Because he's not seen a dwarf wearing earrings before, yeah. and uh, Cheery slash Cherie has not started insisting on female pronouns with everyone yet, but very much has that with Angua.
1: Although again, I've noticed that even in in monologues, uh, Pratchett has, for instance, made sure Vimes is saying
0: the dwarf instead of he. Yeah, uh, right so Yeah. Although she's not gendered, she's not misgendered. Yeah, by any characters, even though she's not out to all of the characters. Yeah, and uh, like again, as she starts this, like, and Vimes just sort of goes. All right. Earrings then. Oh, fair, fair enough.
1: Yeah. Okay. A yeah, yeah. uh, <laughs> little bit preoccupied, I guess.
0: <laughs> he is, but I, I I just really like how it's handled, how it's done, and yeah. the way it kind of tackles this idea of gender and being. The, the, the people who
1: were arguing that Pratchett was anti-trans in some way just clearly had never read this book. Hadn't yeah. said, like, it's just so blindingly obvious. Exactly. They were, they were the people who had Googled Pratchett quotes to try and sift through and find one
0: you can try and make some argument about it not being pro-trans because actually she's trying to live her biological reality or what have you but I, I cannot see that narrative in it myself at all. It very much feels much yeah. closer to the narrative of being a trans person and it's a bit like you know I found a relationship to it because I've talked a lot about not really liking gender and being a bit non-binary but in a in a whisper not a shout exactly yeah so I found it very relatable
1: yeah uh you've got plenty of your own earrings and lipstick yeah and uh cool waistcoats so sorted <laughs> so i know how to make cool waistcoats you do know how to make cool waistcoats you are one step ahead next micro mail <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes that's not don't encourage me to build a forge scene. you know i thought about it okay i a want a forge,
1: forge general very hot fires <laughs> i'm gonna j- quietly discourage her, fair enough
0: <laughs> just want a little kiln <laughs> a little kilnet for the summer anyway sorry right that's all i had to say i really love Cherry's narrative in yeah. these books it i think it's so well written yeah francine do you have an obscure reference finial for me
1: i do and i'm risking another fucking ancient king thing here on page uh, uh 156 when carrots going through the letters that get sent to the watch which is funny in its own right um yeah. he said uh, you need the wisdom of king isaiah danu to tackle uh, the letters and so i was like oh what's that who's that let's, let's risk this again and um <laughs> I, th- I think it's a combination of two separate figures from mythology uh, or history uh king king isaiah i'm pretty sure that's how you say it um was known as the hebrew prophet who predicted the coming of jesus christ Yeah, there are of uh, foresight there prophet kind of chat and then danu uh is the, the most ancient of celtic gods uh the mother of the irish gods she's known as and she is a wisdom goddess of inspiration and intellect
0: awesome
1: mm-hmm. cool so i'm pretty sure that's what they were combined at some some very random syllables with some coincidences
0: otherwise, so yeah, I, I that like that, yeah, I enjoy that, thank you, cool, well, sure, this week I think that's all we have to say on part two of Feet of clay uh yes, we didn't get any feedback
1: about whether we should do the watch in January, so I'm gonna assume everyone hates the idea because
0: that agrees with me i yeah, <laughs> I have no skin in this game.
1: You don't want to re it either. you just make me be bad guy.
0: <laughs> I really like talking about TV, but I don't want to talk about The Watch again. Okay. Um. We'll plan January when we've finished October. Okay, okay. that seems fair, yeah. <laughs> In the normal way. <laughs> In the normal way. Yeah, I think that's all we have to say this week. We will be back next Monday with part three. The thrilling conclusion. Tuesday. The thrilling conclusion. Which starts on page two hundred and fifty-seven in the Corgi paperback with "Afternoon, Ca- Amanda Vines, said Carrot, shutting the door behind him. Captain Carrot reporting.
1: Hey, oh yeah, someone Hello, also Carrot. wrote in to tell us where Captain Carrot became Captain Carrot. So, yes,
0: thank you for that clarification. Yeah, that was.
1: Uh, uh, no.
0: <laughs> it was. It was. <laughs> it was arms.
1: in the last one. Is the point he didn't get promoted between? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was one of the. Uh, one, one of his rewards for being so good at stuff
0: yeah (laughs) anyway so yes we'll be back next week in the meantime, in the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram at the True Shall Make Ye Fret, on Twitter at Make Ye fret Pod on Facebook at the True Shall Make Ye Fret. Join our subreddit community, R slash T T S M Y F. Email us your thoughts, queries, castles, albatrosses, and snacks. The True Shall Make fret pod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support us financially, head over to patreon.com forward slash the True Shall Make Ye Fret. Exchange, oh, sorry. And exchange your hard earned pennies, or not so hard-earned pennies, for bonus nonsense.
1: And thrillingly, over half of those methods uh, won't go down next time Mark Zuckerberg gets his password. Yes.
0: Ah, uh, what a week we've had for internet drama. Oh, that was a good day. Anyway, in anyway. the meantime, dear listener. Don't let us detain you. I'm going to sort my life out. Oh, good luck with that. I'll
1: see you tomorrow.